You are listening to the Plain Label Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Plain Label Podcast. I am your host, Eric Williams, and welcome to the very first episode of Volume 5 of the Plain Label Podcast. In this volume, in nearly every episode, our goal is pretty simple. Not only are we discussing a film or series, but we're going to be discussing a film or a series that I own and host on my Plex account that I haven't seen. And we're going to decide if I should keep or delete the file because this volume is called the culling in this episode we are going to be discussing the most recent film in the star wars saga proper star wars episode nine the rise of skywalker and joining me for this episode starting us off strong is the finn to my jenna mr sean stangland somehow stangland returned <laughs> that's right just somehow we're not gonna get into how <laughs> but he returned <laughs> before getting into our discussion we are still brought to you by Derek coward and the fine folks over at the deliberate noise network head to deliberatenoise.com for more current and archived shows from the network all right sean new volume but we're still drinking what are you uh, having this evening uh tonight's beer is from microphone brewing in elk grove village illinois where all the beers are music uh related and it is a Czech-style amber lager called Of Your Energy. Ah. So I am drinking a 311-themed beer, of all things. <laughs> amber was the color of your energy? <laughs> yes. It's quite good. Wow. But, you okay. know, unfortunately named after 311. <laughs> hey, that's Omaha's own. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I'm having something that is uh, very uh, faux classy. <laughs> I'm having some wine. Uh, it is a Cabernet Sauvignon, but it is the Yellowtail uh, is our mm. brand. Uh, <laughs> it is the bottom of the barrel for the most part. Uh, so if you uh, kind of shop in the the uh, cheap section of uh, you know of your local establishment, you'll be very familiar with Yellowtail. But this is a 2020, and it is from Australia, and it is it's fine. It's very much like a a cheap wine. Like what you would expect, really, to where it's got the the real kind of sharp notes right underneath your jawline, um, <laughs> and it's it's pretty sweet for a cab, but it's fine. It's it's what we had handy, and I was uh, you know I figured I'd go with the the red wine to symbolize all of the bloodshed, Sean, in this <laughs> in this film, all of this viciousness, right? Wow. Uh, yeah, because we have uh, you know for Star Wars we have a bunch of when we have a bunch of deaths in this in this episode in this uh in the star wars episode so that is what we are drinking that is the film that we're going to be discussing and once again it is star wars episode nine the rise of skywalker it's an instinct if we lead them. People keep telling me they know me. No one does. But I do. Long have I waited. 
you doing there, 3PO? Taking one last look, sir. At my friends. Confronting fear is the destiny of a Jedi. Your destiny. And before we get into the IMDb plot synopsis, episode 9 was written by Chris Terrio and J.J. Abrams and directed by Abrams. And over at IMDb, our plot synopsis is from... You'll love this, Sean. This is a good pal of yours. It is Blazer346. And <laughs> right it goes, on, man. <laughs> and it goes like this. Yeah, it goes like this, man. Uh, and here's his, here's his uh, summary. While the First Order continues to ravage the galaxy, Rey finalizes her training as a Jedi. But danger suddenly arises from the ashes as the evil Emperor Palpatine mysteriously returns from the dead. While working with Finn and Poe Dameron to fulfill a new mission, Rey will not only face Kylo Ren once more, but she will also finally discover the truth about her parents, as well as a deadly secret that could determine her future and the fate of the ultimate final showdown that is to come. All right, Mr. Stangland, talk me through you and your history with this film. Well, I mean, I was about as in the tank for this movie as you could possibly <laughs> be when it first came out. Mm -hmm. um, Force Awakens was a very special movie for me and my wife. It's the movie that made my wife a Star Wars fan. Um, it, you know, it, it, Force Awakens did what it was supposed to do. It reignited Star Wars, the, my Star Wars fandom to a spectacular degree. Mm -hmm. And, um, JJ coming back to do it, I thought at the time was perfect. Um, I went to Star Wars celebration in April of 2019 in Chicago and was in Wind Trust Arena when they showed the, the trailer for the first time with the entire cast there. Mm. And Ian McDiarmid came out on stage to surprise everyone. Yes, the Emperor's back. <laughs> I mean, I was, you know, about as high as you could possibly be. And uh, on opening night in the theater, I was uh, willing to give it a pass on just about everything. <laughs> um, interesting, interesting phrasing. <laughs> well, and, and, you know, and you know, cried my eyes out at the end. Cause I was just like, this is the end of star Wars. Mm, uh, you yeah. know, this is mm -hmm. the end of the story. And John Williams is, is playing that music. And, um, and then, you know, unbeknownst to me, just a few months after this came out, I would seriously think this might be the last movie I ever see in a movie theater. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, and then when it came out on the home release came out right around the time the pandemic started and they put on Disney plus early Right, right when the pandemic started. So it, it has been associated with the pandemic in my mind. So I've seen it twice before today, all the way through. And, uh, 
I mean, it's a big honking mess, and I understand all the reasons why it's a mess, and we're going to talk about that, but I'm not really interested in giving it a pass anymore. I'm not mad about it, but I'm not – I mean, I'll be surprised if I ever watch this movie again. Oh, interesting. Interesting. So I was a little bit um, not as in the bag going into it because the the new versions have sort of just left me cold. Mm-hmm. And I think part of my issue is that I I really want to um like I think that I think that the highlight of these three newer films for me is John Boyega mm-hmm. um and I really want to like Finn Poe and Ray but I feel like as I watch it I feel like at times especially with the bickering that they're too closely associated with the original three mm-hmm. and because of that i'm like it, it just reminds me of what it's not doing for me um because i i watched the the first two films and i thought the first one was fine like i didn't have a, a huge really i didn't have a, a real strong reaction either way and last jedi has has issues but i was like well i mean this is certainly a, a different a different take a different swing and I was like, I don't know, that's that's kind of a compelling just because they're willing to do something different because that rap of of seven was that it was just you know reintroducing Star Wars uh, and hitting a lot of similar beats to the original. Mm-hmm. And so for this one, I kind of wasn't really uh, dreading seeing it, but I also obviously never really got around to it, which is why we're j- just now discussing it. And I kind of thought going into it that, well, the one of the things that I was I was good about was I didn't really know anything about the movie, and like I told you, I couldn't tell you heads or tails of what had happened in the previous mm. the previous films. Like I was like, okay, I remember the the battle where the sand was red, uh, where it turned red or or whatever, and I remember like the Luke fake out. Um, where he wasn't actually there and stuff. <laughs> but otherwise, and I remembered the green milk, I think I told you. Mm-hmm. And that otherwise I didn't know, I didn't remember a ton about, about eight. And so going into this, I was like, okay, so I hope that I get some sort of catch up because I remember obviously, uh, Han's death and who Ben slash kylo ren is uh like i i remembered his sort of journey and his sort of struggle and other than that i didn't really know what to expect at all and so i get i (laughs) i thought that this was kind of a mess i thought that Mm -hmm. there were parts of it that were really effective and parts of it to where i'm like jesus christ like this is like the best sort of thing that that star Wars does is this right here. And then other parts I'm like, this is kind of directed and edited in a really sort of sloppy way, which I didn't understand at all. Um, and, and so there's, there's pieces that I really like. There's parts that I think are really problematic. And I kind of was like, wow, boy, that is, uh, that's a whole lot of something (laughs) by the time I got done. (laughs) It's the kitchen sink of star Wars. Yes. There, I mean, they, the number of plot twists and mm-hmm. fetch quests mm-hmm. and, um, just like canon breaking ideas that this throws at you like every 10 minutes is just, 
it's staggering. Yeah. And, 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 uh, and you don't have any time to think about, well, wait, does this, does this actually logically make sense with what the rest of the movies have done or what even this movie has done mm-hmm. by the time you, you, you are trying, you know, you can't, you have no time to figure that out because they're already on to the next thing. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's almost like a lack of confidence in the story of saying like, well, we don't know if this is going to sell and by God, we got to make sure that, uh, the capital F fans are going to be pleased. So if we just scatter shot a bunch of stuff, we're going to hit on enough to where we'll be all right. Well, yeah, I think, you like. know, I think it's accurate to say that they tried so hard to please everyone that they mostly please no one with yeah. it. Um, you know, I, this movie is so reactionary to, uh, the public reception of last Jedi that it's, I mean, it, it is at times feels almost insulting to the previous movie, particularly when Ray goes back to Luke's island and throws the lightsaber and Luke catches it. And he's like, that's no way to treat a Jedi's weapon or whatever. Oh, right, you know, right, right. Yeah. You know, you're referencing how you finally, you know, when we finally see Luke in Last Jedi, he throws the lightsaber away. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Ro- Everybody hated the character. Every I shouldn't say everybody. The worst people on the internet hated Rose in the Last Jedi, and she's completely sidelined in this movie. Yeah, to Kelly the Marie point Tran. Where, why does like, the actress even show up? Yeah, she has like <laughs> f- maybe five minutes. And I do wonder if the intention there was, well, we're going to reward her by giving her scenes with Leia, mm. and then those scenes didn't work, and it ends up being one scene where Grunberg walks in. And basically takes the scene away from Rose. Uh, yeah. That's, you know, and uh, that the whole like JJ of it is where I sometimes rolled my eyes. Uh, oh, it's so. I mean, yeah, it's like you know they they brought him in. He wasn't supposed to direct this movie. He probably didn't want to make this movie because he's like this is he had to know this is a no win situation for him. Mm. So it just becomes to some extent, JJ service too, for himself. Like I'm going to bring my friends, you know, Grunberg's going to come back because he already filmed these scenes with Leia that will, it, for the first movie that we cut out so we can kind of work him back in and it'll be more organic with, with Carrie Fisher, who's dead by the mm-hmm. time this movie's filming. So it's all deleted footage from force awakens. Um, and then Carrie Russell brought in in a role where you don't even see her face. Yeah. Which I, is weird. I thought that, I saw that in the, in the, um, in the credits, I was like, Carrie Russell was in this? Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, like, what do you, wait a minute. Because I was sitting there thinking, like, wait a minute, I, I like, I was good. I left my phone in a different room. Like, I was paying attention. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't want to fall into the thing where I'm just sort of, like, half watching it, you know? So I was like, all right, I'm going to put my phone somewhere else, and then I'm going to actually watch this. And then I saw Carrie Russell, and I was like, the fuck? Where was she? Yeah. I also and, didn't really notice uh, Lupita Nyong'o that much, either. I was like, well, what the heck? No, and that character gets shoehorned into the Leia plot as well, because it's like, well, just to pad out anything with Leia, because they only had, like, maybe, what, two and a half minutes of footage mm. of Carrie Fisher? Mm-hmm. So even though there's, like, no precedent, as far as I know, that Maz Kanata and Leia know each other, mm-hmm. Maz Kanata ends up being, like, this kind of liaison between Leia and the cast for scenes that can't exist. Right. Yeah, um, that's true. It's very strange. And and to the JJ of it all, it the scene that's most emblematic to me of of what this movie ended up becoming is when they get to 
they take 3PO to see Babu Frick and they come in through this bar. And the bartender is John Williams. Mm. Making his first on-camera appearance <laughs> in Star Wars. And he's on screen for like a second and a half. And if you go on the Blu-ray or the digital copy or whatever, there's like a 10-minute special feature about John Williams's two-second appearance in the movie where they show that they have made all the props around his bartender character are all references to every movie he's ever done that was nominated for an Academy Award, which oh, is like wow. 50 props. And Holy they're shit. not even on screen. Like, nobody will ever see any of that stuff. Mm. And it's just like they did it just so they could do the special feature to say, see, look how much we love Star Wars and John Williams. It's me like the mm. whole movie is just like we're just going to tell you how much we love all this stuff and have references to everything because we know we can't sell the story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. So I guess uh, I, I mentioned this earlier, but I want to talk about what I felt like really kind of put me on uneven footing um and and first of all i'll, I'll just get out of the way thinking I, i'll just say that i think chris terrio is not very good um as a writer um, it has it has turned out that way hasn't it <laughs> yeah because you know argo wins you know an academy award mm -hmm. <laughs> you know and then he does that and goes straight into the dcu and does some pretty shoddy stuff Mm -hmm. <laughs> with batman and superman and justice league and then this and then uh justice league part two which would never came out and then uh you know obviously the the Zack snyder uh of it all but it's like uh i don't feel like a lot of his bigger budget things are focused enough is like the most polite way i can think of saying mm -hmm. it um but but one of the things at the beginning is we get this uh, we get this action beat where we have Poe and and uh, the Millennium Falcon and they're they've got you know your opening Bond like chase sort of sequence right our big action moment at the beginning mm -hmm. and I'm like okay fine this is gonna be fine but it was like it was moments like you would have Finn and he's trying to to shoot. And I don't know any of the terminology, but he's in the little, <laughs> he's in the little, uh, like, whatever the fuck it's called, in, in the little, like, um, the gunner chair. The gunner chair, thank you. And so mm -hmm. he's in there and he's, he's firing away and he's doing a good job and they're like planning stuff. And then they would cut to an exterior and then they would cut back and then all of a sudden Finn's like in there with Poe. Mm. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, how, how big is this place? Like, it is like the size of a room. <laughs> because he's he like would he's suddenly in the gunner's chair shooting and then he's suddenly out of there and he's doing different stuff and it was just like jarring to me to where there wasn't any sort of cohesion in the way that it was either directed or edited and i was like well this has got some like pacing problems already like i didn't like that that it had that and we get uh my next note was later on we have uh, the reintroduction of Ray and she's going through her training and I didn't have really many problems with that because it's, um, you know, establishing that she's getting better, but she's not quite perfect. And she has this sort of temper and all this kind of, uh, kind of thing. Um, but we get to one of the many showdowns between Ray and Kylo Ren and it's when 
they are trying when she's trying to save Chewie. Mm-hmm. And we see the Emperor-like bolts come out of her fingertips, right? Mm-hmm. And I didn't know that the Emperor was going to be her grandfather, or I didn't know that going into this that she was related to him. And that shows up, and I'm like, oh, so she's related to the Emperor. Mm-hmm. Because it's such a specific um, effect, right? And so then that made me think, like, Star Wars, to me, has a Batman problem. To where hmm. no matter what the new villain is, they have to return to the fucking original tried and true old shit. Yeah. To where it's like you got Kylo Ren. Well, you got to always reference Vader, which makes sense because of the relationships. I get that. But it's like, did you have to bring the Emperor in? Like that is like the villain. And now you still have the same dude that you're still not able to beat. And it's like the the Batman thing with the new Batman, which I haven't all the way seen when I do the episode about that, I'll uh, explain how I haven't seen all of it, but I do know about the Barry Keoghan and the, the deleted scene about how there was, uh, they did shoot some footage of a Joker mm-hmm. for the R Pats, uh, Batman stuff. And I'm like, get the fuck off <laughs> the Joker for fuck's sake. <laughs> and that's what I sort of feel about this. It's like, just leave some of that old shit alone. Oh, man, that frustrated me, because as soon as that showed up, I was like, oh, so we're just doing tried and true stuff. It's Return of the Jedi. Again. It is. It is. And and it's it's doubly frustrating because Ryan Johnson left such an opportunity to do something completely different with mm-hmm. the way he ended Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, first of all, killing Snoke in Last Jedi, to me, clearly establishes then that Kylo Ren is the enemy of the third movie. Well, you know, but yeah, then yeah, yeah. he's not. <laughs> no, because I, as soon as as soon as she shows that power, I was upset about the Emperor comment, but then I'm like, oh, so this is going to be like Romeo and Juliet mm. is what is what we're going <sighs> is what we're going to go down to where they can't be together, but they want to be together. And the two different sides of the the force, and it it just felt so expected. As soon as I had that one effect coming out of her fingers, well, and you know, I I was wondering today. This is the third time I've watched it. Before we get the lightning, we have the thing in the in the tunnels where she heals the giant worm. Mm-hmm. And I never thought about it until today. Well, that that's like a Palpatine thing too, because that's calling back to. And Palpatine says it himself in the first scene. There are, are some things that are considered unnatural, where he's talking in episode three about preventing people from dying. So that's like another that doesn't even land in the movie that, oh, yeah, that's like a Palpatine thing, too. That's a Sith power mm-hmm. that she can heal things. Um, the, the, the last five minutes of things you said, I have so many things I want to say about everything you <laughs> no, said. Yes, I, please. Um <laughs> I gotta, I gotta think back to where I want to start now. You were talking about um, the editing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The thing that bothered me this time, it's in the confrontation between Ray and Kylo Ren, where she has gone up onto his ship and he is on the Carrie Russell planet. Oh, right, right, right. And the urban, like this, yeah, the the ship, and then the more urban looking setting. Yes, and they're having one of their force connections that's established in Last Jedi that they can do this. Right. And the movie like breaks its own visual language for that. 
because there's a shot where the camera is on Kylo Ren and he's in his ship mm-hmm. in the shot when he's actually on the planet. And he says in that shot, where are you? Mm-hmm. It's like you're fucking standing in where she is. <laughs> like it breaks its own, you know, that breaks its own internal logic. And that's just got to be like ADR that was thrown in. It had to have been. And I like to the point where I wonder if the only reason they gave him his helmet back was so that they could do the, all the dialogue and post for that for whole long sections of the movie. Could be because they knew that it was gonna because they knew it was gonna change. That's just one of get, him getting the helmet back is just one of the things that makes no no sense. Well, at all. I have a note about that too, but I'll let you uh, continue to retort before I add more fuel uh, to I your just, fire. I mean, just like. <laughs> You know, he crushed the helmet in an elevator on a ship that was blown up in Last Jedi. Look, where, <laughs> how does that helmet still exist? It's just cracked a little. It's all right. I, but, you know, and, I, you know, you excuse that it's Star Wars. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's it's never going to be a, uh, you know, a modicum, a, a model of internal logic. You excuse these things when the movie is good. And when there's not too many of these things, unfortunately, this movie is only these things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's one of those things to where, if, you know, and I'm sure it's been done to death, and and people could research all the things that don't make sense in any of the other versions of the Star Wars story that we've been told up to this point. Mm-hmm. To where I'm sure there's think pieces of, well, Luke shouldn't have been able to whatever, right? Right. Um, but in this case, when those are the things that are, you're thinking about, it is, you're right. It is because the film is not working on some sort of level. Right. And it's just too much. It just does too much. It's, mm-hmm. it's breaking established canon over and over again, like introducing like, oh, a, a dyad in the force. Like we've never heard that. Yeah. Before. Tell me, tell me about that. You said uh, in breaking different canon. Like, what do you mean? So we had the, the triangle thing that he's wanting. Well, yeah, maybe not breaking canon, but just. You know, like like retconning the canon, okay, and doing it over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Like Luke, ta- and, and you know, obviously they George Lucas did this himself in <laughs> Return of the Jedi. Yeah, yeah, famously. And but you know, we we grew up with Return of the Jedi and we love it, so we excuse it. But we're seeing this now when we're in our forties, mm-hmm. and there's just so many of these things that add up. Like the the idea of a dyad in the Force. Kylo Ren says it, and then we don't come, we don't hear it again until the end of the movie when the Emperor says it. When his plan has already changed twice, and now that he sees that they're a dyad, oh no, I want to live now. Like the Emperor, what what the Emperor is doing changes three times in this movie. Yeah, that was my questions. That and both both of the antagonists and their goals was something that I was never really able to put my finger on. Yes. So in that opening scrawl, we have the thing about, well, Kylo doesn't want to deal with any other threat, basically, mm-hmm. because he's the supreme ruler or supreme leader or whatever. And so I'm like, OK, so nobody's fucking with him then because nobody would fuck with Darth Vader. Right. That would be my memory of he was such an imposing figure. No one's going to mess with him. But here, you know, Kylo is taking people out, and that's how we introduce him. And I'm like, okay, he's fucking people up, whatever. Uh, and that's his that's his goal. But then he becomes very focused on the dyad. Is that what you're calling it? The, yeah. The green mm-hmm. pyramid. 
is what I kept. Oh no, that's something different. Okay, well that's the that's... thing where I was like, he wants this green pyramid, and then it, then he breaks it, and then I was like, what the fuck is this thing? Yes, the ancient Sith artifact that somehow you can plug into a computer on a ship, and it will tell yeah. the ship where to go. And I was like, even what? though it's an ancient Sith artifact. And what that felt like to me it was that that felt like something that was like. You know, you're you're going through your different objectives in your quest, and mm-hmm. one of your main objects, objectives is to find this pyramid. Yeah. And then you can use it in ways to unlock your map or whatever the fuck. Well, yeah, no, it, it is so constructed like a video game mm-hmm. that, you know, if this exact thing was a video game, you would excuse all the all the things that are bad about it because you would be having fun playing the game. Yeah, At because... least that's how I am when I play, you know, <laughs> yeah. most video games have, you know, absurd plot developments or things that don't make sense, but it's like, well, I'm having fun playing the game and it looks awesome, so who cares? Mm-hmm. But this is a, this is the last movie in a nine-episode legendary film series. It's unbelievable so, to me, some of these choices. Um, uh, you know, there's just so many things. Like today, okay, the, the whole reason that the little, the little one-wheel robot exists is apparently because it has the plans for the final order so that they can plan what they're doing so that the resistance can plan what they're doing before they've even gone to Exegol. Because they don't need him to navigate there because Ray somehow knows how to navigate there because she somehow has a Sith Wayfinder even though Kylo Ren crushed it on the bridge of the Death Star. Mm-hmm. Like, I was like, where did that, where did that come from? There's hmm. just... This movie's a, an unholy mess, and like what? I said in the in the beginning, I understand why it's a mess. You well, have what a director. About... Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. I was gonna. I'm just gonna. We have a director who didn't want to be there, who had to refashion. They had to keep. They kept some story elements from uh, Trevorrow's script, uh, but reworked it. Yeah, they it was did... uh, Derek Connolly and Colin Trevorrow's yeah. story. They had, according to what I read, they had orders from the Lucasfilm honchos that Kylo Ren had to be redeemed. They had Carrie Fisher's death, which is the worst. That's the, I mean, honestly, they probably shouldn't even made the movie because mm-hmm. you can't do this trilogy justice without Carrie Fisher there. And they didn't because well, it was, I mean, if you follow the pattern, this was going to be her movie. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Because it was, and I, you, I believe you said this, right? That I saw recently where it was like the first one's Han's movie, the second one's Luke's movie. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So that happened. And then you have all these concessions that you think you have to make to the angriest, loudest Star Wars fans on Twitter or wherever mm-hmm. in the Internet verse. Um, and then and then at the very end, you have to appease the Raylo shippers. <laughs> I feel, you know, and you know, I just my love wife, hearing you say that. <laughs> my wife was one of the was one of those who was like, "I hope they kiss," and mm. I was like, "I don't know, I guess so." But when it happened in the movie, I was just like, ah. mm. and then today, today, it just it feels like the most catastrophic, wrong-headed decision in the whole movie <laughs> when I watched it today. Like, did we forget that that guy and General Hux? probably committed the biggest act of mass murder in cinematic history in force awakens mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah we'll uh we'll get to old dommel uh, yeah. general hux <laughs> i i you know i i feel like i'm sounding like an angry ranting star wars fan and i don't want to mm. because i i'm not i don't feel like i'm that um 
what's the word? I don't feel like I'm that uh, irrational about this movie, uh-huh. but I think with the with the three years now removed from the first release and watching it again today, it's just like it's just it's just a shame. It's a shame that all this happened. And yeah. I know that most of it, most of why this movie is the way it is, can be blamed on something that nobody could have ever fixed, and that's Carrie Fisher dying. It's very unfortunate mm-hmm. for everybody that that happened. It's it's awful. It's awful all around, and when to the point where they either shouldn't have made the movie, or they probably should have actually recast the part, so mm. they could have done Carrie. You could have done Jer- Carrie Fisher justice more by doing Leia justice mm-hmm. in the script. You know, mm-hmm. that's how I've always felt about it. That it's like, yeah, you want to preserve her, but if you do, if you do the character justice, you're doing Carrie Fisher justice too. And I think recasting and giving her the the role in this story that she deserved after the other two movies would have been a better choice but i mean that was yeah, that's probably a, never that's a tough happen. situation you're in kind of like a no-win situation there Absolutely. either way I think. this yeah. movie was a no-win situation yeah. so tell me about this i'm looking through the cast list mm-hmm. and uh you know we had han solo that was uncredited uh, Harrison Ford that was uncredited um, for his moment there towards the end, but we have things like Lin Manuel Miranda, <laughs> we have Ed Sheeran, we have Kevin Smith, we have Carl Urban, yeah, that are all uh, supposedly uh, in the film as stormtroopers or aliens, yeah, or whatnot. and and Jeff Garland, <laughs> like people, it's like wait a minute, like this feels like a yeah, you know, I don't really want to fucking do this, but uh, I'm gonna just invite some friends and we'll maybe get lunch and I'll throw them in a scene. And yeah, and it just feels like some of that was, uh, was taking place now that I'm kind of looking at some of the stuff here, which again, it's like, this is, this is the end of a saga. You would think that it would be, I don't know there. I feel like some of the complaints are justified because it's like, this is a big deal for many, many people. And this has been a nine episode saga that has been going on since the seventies. And to have it just kind of end in a way where you're rewriting rules and introducing new little side quests and what have you feels odd to me. And like, you know, instead of, instead of, um, sort of writing your own, canon in your own iconic moments you're borrowing other people's mm-hmm. and you could say star wars that the original did that but it became you know its own thing but like what i'm what i mean specifically is like the dagger that makes no sense mm. that's like a straight rip from the goonies right yeah you know or and i this couldn't have been intentional but you can't get over the fact that the the end of this movie is like the same as the end of Avengers Endgame. <laughs> right. Even to like how she says the line. Yeah. Like I am all the Jedi. Like it's incredible. It came out the same year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was that was the year where you had uh, Avengers Endgame in April, and it was I think that was about as perfect as that movie could have been, mm-hmm. uh, aside from the Black Widow business. Mm-hmm. Then you had Game of Thrones ending, and we all know how that went over with the public. Mm-hmm. And then you had Star Wars ending. And it's like, I think it's pretty crazy to think that Marvel is the one out of those three that nailed the landing. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, it's surprising because 
for people that listen to the end of volume four of this podcast, what I went through most of phase four of Marvel, uh, I thought it was pretty rough after end game, after end game. And especially after WandaVision, I thought it was pretty rough. But it's um, directionless. Yeah. It's well, it's going in this, nothing means anything sort of, sort of role and sort yeah, of, uh, sort of way. It's the, uh, the dichotomy of Dr. Strange multiverse of madness. On one hand, Anything can happen and nothing matters. But on the other hand, this movie's fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> At least that's how I felt. I thought <laughs> Doctor Strange 2 was awesome. But <laughs> as far as what it means for the larger story, it's like, you know, it's ruinous. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So one of the things that I thought was interesting about this was the choice to have a bit of that um, everything that you beloved is gone on screen with the C-3PO uh, reboot. To where it's a little bit of like, oh yeah, he's got to lose his memory in order to get this thing done. And you've got to forget about everything that you've known before in order to blah, 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 is, is what I felt like that little mention was. Is like It was almost like a plea to, yeah, we're rebooting him, but he's still, he's still C-3PO. And it was like, yeah, we're rebooting Star Wars, but it's still Star Wars. Like, please love us, is what that made me think of. Um, but one of the other things that I was irritated by, and it goes back to the mask that you brought up, mm. is he has it welded together by some apes for some reason. <laughs> and I was like, Andy, oh. Andy Circus uncredited role. No. Oh, okay. I was like, well, <laughs> no, what I'm it, kidding. Yeah, I was like, whatever this is, I don't, I don't know. But uh, then we have to, we have the the moment where he comes out, and we get to see uh, Richard E. Grant, and we get to see Donald Gleason. And then we get uh, the moment that I was like, this is not fucking Spaceballs, guys. I, I, I know exactly what you're going to say, and I had the same thoughts. <laughs> it's the goddamn, why does everything have to be so ironic all yep. the time with the I like it line exactly. about his fucking mask. Yep. And I'm like, these jokes, like they don't have jokes like this in Star Wars. Like these are they have humorous moments because of the charisma of the actors and the like back and forth between Carrie Fisher and Harrison Ford. But I don't you don't get that out of Ray and Finn or you get some of it with Poe because Oscar Isaac is magnetic all the time, I feel like. Mm -hmm. But but you don't have that same sort of. And maybe it's the era. Maybe the era is what's different. And here you're like, well, this this is the current joke style, so this is what we got to go with. But it fucking drives me nuts that everyone, even in – we just mentioned Marvel. Everyone in Marvel has to have the same joke style that Iron Man has. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, they don't. Like, people do not tell jokes the same way. And they do not have the same ironic observations about everything. Like, I, I can't, like, quite pinpoint – where the line is on on what is acceptable humor in Star Wars and what isn't, because mm-hmm. some of the stuff that seems a little a little out of character works in Force Awakens particularly, but specifically, I think the biggest mistake the Last Jedi made, you know, forget whatever they do with you know uh, with making Luke an old hermit who hates everything mm-hmm. or. Focusing too much on on the casino planet or the ending. Mm -hmm. Forget all that. I think the biggest error that they committed in The Last Jedi is opening the movie with with that Poe Dameron and General Hux conversation Mm 
where he's like, it's like, uh, you know, can you hear me now? Mm-hmm. I don't think he actually says that, but it's that kind of joke. Right. And he's like, I'm waiting for general hugs. Uh-huh. And he's like, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Like, it's, <laughs> I just remember watching that movie for the first time and thinking, what is this? Like, this is not Star Wars. <laughs> right. This is, it's not Star Wars. Right. That does not feel, and that may have been part of Ryan Johnson's intention. Be like, okay, this is not going to be like the other Star Wars movies. And it wasn't. But that, to me, I just remember the deafening silence in the theater mm, when I saw mm, that. Mm, mm, mm. Can you and, imagine being at a screening with with the cast and crew? And, no. And nobody laughs at that. Like, it's just, it's not what you should be starting your Star Wars movie with. Yeah. Is yeah. that kind of, it wasn't funny. It's, I mean, I guess it's funny because we're playing a joke on Hux. And it's funny when the guy says, hey, I think he's tooling with you. But just the kind of joke that it is. Mm-hmm. it's just it doesn't fit in star wars and that like you said this this one in rise of skywalker sticks out like a sore thumb yeah it's really bad uh, yeah <laughs> especially when it's like the fascists have you know having a good laugh <laughs> yeah right we're like it's, I nazis mean, are funny too <laughs> yeah it's it's God. it's a pretty stark contrast we're, we're recording this a few days before the season finale of andor is gonna premiere on disney plus andor has the most uh, the most realistic and uh, dystopian and gut-wrenching depiction of the Empire that Star Wars has ever had. Mm. Where these are not, you know, there's nothing about the Empire in Andor is cool. You know, there's you're mm-hmm. not going to be rooting mm-hmm. for anybody for any of the bad guys in Andor. They're bureaucratic, fascist, torturous nightmares. And it's like, yes, finally, this is how these people should be treated in Star Wars. So to see, like, in this movie, we have General Hux, who gave a triumph of the will speech in Force Awakens, Mm -hmm. is now the spy just because he doesn't want Kylo Ren to win. That's a terrible line of dialogue. Oh, especially when he goes, I'm the spy. Yeah, it's just like, and and Poe's reaction to that is the same as the audience. Just like He's just like, what? Like, it makes no sense. Mm -hmm. It makes no sense. And then, like, five (laughs) minutes later, he's shot and killed. Yes. There's so many things in this movie that just completely like I like they they're not give, afforded the chance to have any kind of stakes or impact. Like you said um what were you talking Oh, um what were you talking about? There's like three of them in the movie. One of them is the Hux thing where you find out he's the spy and he gets murdered immediately. Mm-hmm. One's the, the Chewy faux death. Yeah, Chewy, yeah, they she kills quote-unquote chewy and then like literally two minutes later you see him alive so what's even the point mm-hmm. like it well you got to show she, that she's related like, you show that? that she's related to palpatine at that moment is the point yes but it's like she it's it, it doesn't even have like a payoff later in the movie like she doesn't find out until the end of the movie that he's okay and it has some kind of resonance <laughs> she finds out like five minutes after we do <laughs> um and there's another you mentioned another one that now is escaping me because there's just so many things in this oh c-3po yeah, yeah i yeah, don't yeah. understand why that's in the movie but mm-hmm. you know, like you said i think you have the best explanation there well it was <laughs> and that, and again it's all and it feels weird to say but it all it all boils down for me to being not confident enough with the story that you're telling yes absolutely just and, throwing everything you can think of yeah at the movie. and then we have stuff like lando comes back and i'm like lando <laughs> like, mm-hmm. what the fuck is lando doing in here he must have a huge role no it's just billy d williams is back 
All right. No, well, and, cool. and it's fine. It's great. I, yeah. I actually enjoy the Lando scenes, except for the very last one where they're like, oh, wait, we better justify this character we introduced just so that we can kind of have some semblance of the Stormtrooper rebellion in this plot. <laughs> right, right. It's like, so well, that was like the major hook of the Trevorrow script was that Finn's payoff was going to be that he gets the First Order Stormtroopers to revolt. Mm. And that is how his story should pay off. But the way this movie was constructed, there was no time for it. So instead, they have him meet somebody who was also used to be a stormtrooper, and they have a moment. Yeah, really. Yeah, that that's the thing where that's the Janna, right? Where yeah. it's like, oh, it also felt like, well, let's introduce this person of color to be with Finn, even though there's like a quasi love relationship going on with him and Ray and her and Kylo and you're like, all right, well now Finn's not going to be with her, but we're going to give him someone that he can be with. And, and apparently like, Rose is with Dominic Monaghan. Oh, <laughs> you know what? I, I was waiting for that. I was like, wait a minute, we got the we got the basis from Drive Shaft out here. Yeah. I was like, we all everybody. <laughs> I was like, we're waiting. I was waiting to drop the we all everybody on you. Um, uh, but yeah, we and then there's the other thing is. You'd mentioned plots that don't go anywhere. Well, there's not only those plots that just kind of show up and then disappear, but we also have things like all of these excruciating goodbyes that were meaningless. And I'm like, we have this early goodbye where they're leaving and they're leaving uh, Leia and they're, they're, you know, never going to see them again and all this kind of stuff. But I'm like, well, yeah, they may not see each other, but the audience sees all of them still. And mm-hmm. this is so early on in the in the movie, like we don't know the stakes of what they're up against really at this point. And I'm like, why are you why are you like grieving that you're leaving these people when I mean, I guess we believe that they really care for each other and such. But I'm like, I don't know. Like I haven't seen and again, maybe that's just a, a victim of of uh, the amount of footage that you have and don't have when it mm-hmm. comes to Carrie Fisher, but it's like, a, I just, I didn't get that, that whole thing. Why, again, here's another why question for you. It's, uh, why do they introduce this new thing that the, uh, that the fucking Falcon can do? This, oh, like, light speed skipping. What is this about? Like, what? Yeah, that, I mean, that just, that just plays, that's another thing. It just adds to, like, let's just introduce new things into the canon for no reason. Like, there's no reason to have that in the movie. Yeah, I was like, okay, so. Uh, Star Trek is doing a different travel thing other than warp, and now we're also going to do a different travel thing other than warp. I was like, what yeah. the fuck is this? And and when and Ray, when Ray finds out that Poe did that, she talks about like it's something we should all know about. Like she's like, you <laughs> right, did yeah. that with the Falcon. You can't do that. It can't do it. And he's like, I yeah. did do it. In the same conversation where there's a little hint, maybe just the tiniest hint that we're supposed to think that Ray and Poe may have had a thing going on mm-hmm. between the last two movies. Exactly. Well, it's it's supposed to be a thing where it's set up to like Oscar Isaac is ready to bang anyone is what yeah. it, is what the idea seems to be. But it's like, OK, but he's just like running around like a chicken with his head cut off in most of the movie. So it's like he doesn't have the opportunity to really kind of like charm anyone because he's he's just like. In constant movement, I feel like throughout well, yeah, the and film. Yeah, and his character was a total asshole in Last Jedi. Mm. It's like I, so much of the goodwill of Force Awakens was squandered by both of these movies. I mean, Last Jedi is obviously a much better movie than Rise of Skywalker, but there's just a lot of decisions that don't that 
didn't make sense writ large for the for the trilogy. Like, I want Poe to be that guy from Force Awakens who's like, yeah, I'm a pilot. Let's get you out of here. What's your name? FN2187. No, you're Finn. You know, where's that guy? Mm-hmm. That guy that you fall in love with in two seconds. Mm-hmm. That's why Force Awakens is so good. Because you come out of that movie, like, you, you go in thinking, oh, well, Han Solo. Can't wait to see Han Solo and Chewie. And you come out talking about Rey and Finn and Kylo Ren and BB-8 because those characters instantly grabbed you. Mm-hmm. And so I guess they're, you know, just kind of like in J.J. Uh, Star Trek movie where you love all the reinventions of the Star Trek characters instantly. So he's good at introducing characters. He's very good at casting and introducing characters. He has not proven to be good at plot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's one of those things where it's like – just because you have a lot going on doesn't mean that that's solid plot. Right. Like, yeah, there's a lot of things that happen, but overall, what does it mean? It's like a season's worth, a TV season's worth of plot in this movie. It really is. It's one of those those where I was like, God, I wish this was like a six episode series instead of this one movie. Yeah. So like you could have had a whole episode with Jana and Finn on, on the, you know, the water planet or whatever. Um, the water planet is the thing. At, is that the thing at the end, or no? Because it, they're like they sort find, of in the sky, but they're sort of not in the sky. Oh well, that's Exegol at the end. Yeah, where somehow I guess the star destroyers are still in the atmosphere because they're they're riding horses on the hull of a star destroyer. Yeah, it's like they're breathing and they're riding horses. And I was like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, it's just like here's something we haven't seen in Star Wars. Let's figure <laughs> out how to put it in. Because I was like, this is like. Here's where we borrowed from the Planet of the Apes series. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, am I watching I put am I watching Ready Fucking Player One here or what? Because then we have late in the in the movie, Poe has a speech where I'm like, This is the Today We Fight, Return of the King, or uh or uh Two Towers like uh fucking Aragorn speech or what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like this is like he was literally about to say, Today we fight, it may not mm-hmm. be this day. And I was like, What the fuck is this? So, oh boy, like, it was one of those things where, like I put in the note about Lando, I was like, this is so full of potential that it is maddening that it is not better than it is. Yes. Yes. Because it's just too much. It's just way too much. Mm Because there's not enough time to do any of these threads the justice justice that they deserve. Mm -hmm. And I do, you know, the, the Trevorrow script was put out there. Um, like in, in early 2020 and a lot of people are like, Oh, this is so much. And it's not really that much better. Hmm. It does have some things that are better. Uh, the Finn and Rose leading this uprising of the first order stormtroopers on Coruscant. That's great. I would have loved to have seen that in the movie, but like they introduced the, the concept of like a gray Jedi who has hmm. balance between the light and the dark. And like Kylo Ren turns into like a force vampire Ooh-ooh. And there's a scene where Ray kisses Poe to make him and then uses her Jedi powers to make him forget that he loves her, <laughs> which I'm like, if that was in the movie, it would have been the worst scene in the history of Star Wars, oh, bar none. Man. I mean, there's a lot of bad stuff. In that. I think people mostly like that script because it's called Duel of the Fates. And let's oh. be honest, if they had had the first trailer with the the music duel of the fates playing and then the <laughs> title is revealed to be duel of the fates I, my brain would still be on the floor of the <laughs> wind <laughs> trust <laughs> arena <laughs> right now yeah like heads would have exploded that day <laughs> mm. well i'm surprised that uh 
some of the old favorites haven't, you know, there's no uh, Count Dooku or whatever the fuck. There's <laughs> there's nobody like that that showed up at the end. I was like expecting even more once they were just going to go full fan service on some of the stuff. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I do like the prequel callbacks in this one as far as Palpatine right off the bat saying there are abilities that some deem to be unnatural. Mm. Um, I, and I like the nod to the, to the, the nods to the prequels in this. Um, I kind of wish there were more actually to make it more a cohesive thing, but obviously they're mostly interested in, you know, leaning yeah, on the, the original trilogy yeah, here. Right. There's just so much, there's just so much we could talk about. What, this movie. uh, I put in here, after watching Stranger Things, I've had enough of the fucking finger gestures of like the just pointing at something with your arms, like the Kylo um, Ray versus Kylo versus Ray versus Eleven. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was like, all right, I've had I've had it. I've had enough of it. That is tiresome. <laughs> I was like, just use just look at something and have it move now. I don't need to see <laughs> I don't need to see the outstretched dramatic hand shaking and all that sort of stuff. Well, hey, we've been bagging on this movie so long. You did say at the top that there were things about it that you thought were the best of what Star Wars can do. Yeah, so that goes into the whole just general and just like the the character journeys. I think are are strong, have the potential to be strong. Yeah. So I mm-hmm. like the ideas of Ray not being beholden to what she was born as to being her own person and to being mm-hmm. more than what her uh, makeup says that she should be. Yes. Like, I think that that as an idea is wonderful because you look at Luke and where he came from and then what he became. And that's a similar sort of journey to where it's like, Oh yeah, th- you know, I was positioned as this and you can get into the why and what have you. And that's all like, plot stuff but it's like as the character from the core of the character he was he began as this and he evolved into that Mm -hmm. and ray's in a similar spot i think kylo has the potential to be a fascinating character but i i feel like and you mentioned this earlier that they sort of went the chicken shit route with the redemption of him to where it's like Mm -hmm. i see i see like big fathead adam driver blubbering on the fucking tv and i'm like get this fucking guy out of here because i don't have any sympathy for him right because it's like oh i killed my dad and i didn't want to i was like well you fucking did it bro Mm -hmm. like sorry like you know i get like the self-loathing like i think that that's really interesting and the sort of impetuous and and like hot-headed you'll never be as good as what darth vader was like i think that that's interesting but i i just i just never really warmed to the portrayal of it and i think that adam driver outside of and and i mean it's it's a matter of is it him or is it the material that he's working with but i think that adam driver is a a really good actor Mm -hmm. but in this i'm just like what is this like this is just does not work for me at all um and then like i said i thought that finn was set up to be another really like i was this stormtrooper and there's a million different ways you can go with that to have that be about a character again like ray breaking out of what you were designed to be uh, and and sort of crafted to be, and so I think that there's a lot of there's a lot of potential, and there's a lot of the sort of um, uh, like the, the save at the last minute from the the people where it seems like they are all 
uh, isolated and no one's coming for them. And the fact that they do say that twice that no one's coming for them mm-hmm. makes me think like, God, like I get that someone's coming. Like just, you don't have to, you don't have to give it to me twice. Right. Um, so I think that there's like, you know, because I get that, that moment where you see all of the different kinds of ships and I'm like, Oh fuck. Yeah. Like what, a what a good moment. What a nice visual. Um, and you get the, the moments where they are, rallying the troops and where Poe is giving that speech. And even though I kind of have problems with the, the actual dialogue, like the idea of, I thought we could do it. Like, isn't this how it's always supposed to work for us? Like it didn't work and I fucked it up and I'm, mm-hmm. and I'm sorry. And I think that that's a really interesting moment for him before it's uh, pulled away. Uh, so I think that there's like, just like brushes and touches of like, fuck, this could have been so good. <laughs> but it just sort of doesn't go all the way with certain things. No, look what I was thinking about today. If you walked into into Lucasfilm like a year before this movie came out, and you saw just the storyboards of this movie, mm. you would you would look at those storyboards. You would say, "This is going to be the fucking greatest thing we've ever seen." <laughs> yeah, because there's just so many beautiful things to look at and like really cool ideas that they haven't done in star Wars before. Some things you, you always kind of maybe wished you could see. Oh, well fighting on the water planet. Well that, yeah. I mean, having, that was the thing in the trailer that just knocked me out. It's like, they're having a lightsaber duel on the sunken wreckage of the death star. Mm -hmm. Like just that as a concept is just like such nerd heaven. Yeah. That and, and, uh, and Ray running and then leaping over the, over yeah. the fighter and stuff, I was like, Which, "Holy fuck!" And that so. scene makes like, what is Kylo like? Is Kylo Ren trying to run her down? But that would make no sense. Like, this is like a <laughs> moment created just to make people say, "Holy shit!" Yeah, the trailer. It's, it's trailer moment, yeah. Or like, you know, the the part in the theater that got a holy shit out of me was when Palpatine turns the Force lightning on the entire fleet. Mm, right, yeah. Like, when I was he like, shuts off is, the communications and stuff, right? Yes, like that is a truly awe-inspiring thing to see in a star wars movie you know and one that of the things almost make that that one visual almost makes it worth having palpatine in the movie <laughs> yeah right yeah <laughs> you know the things that always bugs me about when you have a character that's supposed to be old and and mostly feeble mm-hmm. is you see them and you always see them like at their worst right like i wish like we don't have a story of palpatine when he was a fucking badass or something no, I guess just just his uh his fight in the Senate with Yoda. That's mm, oh, it. Oh, okay. But you, yeah, but you don't get like look at the scary I mean that's what was great about Darth Vader and and I don't I'm one of the people that don't really enjoy uh Rogue One. Mhm. But I think that the idea of of having a a ruthless Darth Vader type of a character to where it's like this is this person at their at their best. Uh, is compelling, but when you have, when you're trotting out Palpatine again, who I wrote in there as uh, Emperor uh, Exposition is what I was calling him. Oh yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But when you have him and you trot him out again and he looks like ass and he comes out <laughs> and he's like, but actually I can do this and he like almost takes the whole fucking fleet down mm-hmm. and I'm like, but then you can't stop Ray. Yeah. Like, like you, you old bastard. Like what do you mean you can't beat her? 
Yeah, and all she's doing is reflecting lightning back with two lightsabers. Yeah, she pulls like, out the they, other one, and <laughs> that they moment couldn't come up with anything better than that for that. That moment, she pulls out the second lightsaber. Mm-hmm. And I was, and I just put, why? Yeah, like it's like it's, no it's reason twice that that as strong. Does anything. I don't know. I was like, it's twice as it's got double the force. I guess is the would be the idea, right? I guess the thing, you know, the <laughs> the way to do that scene, they probably storyboarded it this way, but then they they probably changed it because they wanted to be about her. The way they probably conceived that scene is that you see all the other Jedi and they all take him down. Mm. Oh, like but, the ghost versions of them. Yes. But you have to make it about her. And that scene, that scene pisses me off too, where she, it's a great scene in conception. Mm-hmm. It's a great visual of her looking into the, into the lightning and convening with the Jedi. But again, in this movie that feels like it's kind of cannibalizing itself and other movies, other popular franchises, that's De- Harry Potter and Deathly Hallows. Mm. Oh, man. Where he convenes with his parents and Sirius before he goes to face Voldemort. And yeah. I'm just like, they're, you know, this is, it's too, it's too big and too recent a reference you know, I mean, you God, can't not, to me, it's like, you that. can't Holy not shit. think of yeah. that. At least I couldn't, I couldn't not think of that in that scene. Like, yeah, this is from Deathly Hallows. Mm. <laughs> wow. Well, it definitely is. Uh, we are on Half-Blood Prince um, in the reread or in the uh, read to the kiddo. Uh-huh. Uh, so she is yet to see uh, Deathly Hallows. Um, but maybe, yeah, maybe if I would have seen that more recently other than the Whenever yeah. I saw it, like five years ago or whatever it was, um, I just that scene will always from Deathly Hallows will always stick out to me because the night that Deathly Hallows the book came out, somebody you know within an hour had a Wikipedia description. Oh, up. <laughs> of course. And and I want I just want to know what happened and just a Wikipedia description of that scene gave me chills mm. up my spine. Yeah. I'm like I can't wait to see that in the movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, that does. That is the other thing that I just thought of, and this is slightly off topic. But what is what was the deal? What's the deal uh, with um, with the flat with the small flashback with Luke and Leia? That yes, I also to me flashbacks do not belong in the visual language of Star Wars. I don't recall them. Yeah, I don't recall seeing too many of them. The only time they've happened is in Force Awakens, and it and it's the worst part of Force Awakens too. Is mm. that it's the same? It's the the middle of Force Awakens where she has the the vision when she grabs the lightsaber and there's flashbacks. It's the same part of the movie of JJ Star Trek where there's a where there's a horrible oh, exposition yeah, yeah, yeah. from Spock. Mm-hmm. It's like okay, we have to have this horrible expositional flashback scene in the middle of these movies <laughs> apparently. Mm. Well, because then she's having uh, Ray's having visions of like her parents, right? Yes, and so mm-hmm. I, I'm seeing that, and uh, uh, I haven't. I don't think I've said this on the podcast, but I've told you that I'm. I think I'm. I haven't started season two of The Mandalorian yet. Right. But at during season one, I'm like, oh, this is like Mandalorian flashbacks, mm. because he's having all those flashbacks of what happened when he was a youth and all this sort of stuff, mm-hmm. and that's what Ray's doing almost exactly. Yes. <laughs> like, wow, they love this fucking like. My parents were were killed because of war 
and war is yeah. bad, but I'm going to start this new war to end all the wars. I'm like, yeah, okay. and that, that Luke and Leia stuff, that's that's another thing where it's like, I, I shouldn't say canon breaking, but where it's just like casually dropped into it. Oh, yeah, Leia had a lightsaber. Yeah, she had and a she lightsaber trained, and, and she was training with or was training Luke. Yeah, or yeah, and it's like, if that if that had happened, if they knew that that was part of the story, that should have been introduced in Force Awakens. Well, yeah, that's because that should have been a thread throughout the movies. Because that, and it may, you know, it could have it wouldn't a, have paid it, off. But you know, if you had planted that thread in the first movie, then when Leia takes a lightsaber up and strikes down Kylo Ren in Episode Nine, that would have really been something, wouldn't it? Yeah, but right. That, yeah, but that's not what was ever going to happen. Because it could have been a whole thing where. You know, you have you have the second movie where you have Luke and his whole deal is is you could show training there of him Mm -hmm. being a certain way and Leia trying to rein him in. And he is too Kylo Ren like to where he's too uh, impulsive like he is at the beginning of uh, Return of the Jedi. And because of that that's what leads him down this or that's what gives him the personality trait that scars kylo and all that sort of shit where he then freaks out i think the best thing aside from the finn uh stormtrooper revolt the the other really good thing in the trevorrow script is that luke's scenes are not with ray they're with kylo ren oh that's interesting where luke's ghost is like haunting kylo ren throughout the movie Okay. That is that is a much better use of Luke in this movie. But I under you know obviously I get why they did it here and they did pick up a thread a, a good thread that Ryan Johnson left hand, hanging that was obvious with the with the X-wing being at the bottom of the ocean mm-hmm. on that on that planet. Mm-hmm. So that Luke can can do what he couldn't do in Empire. <laughs> yeah. It's uh it is pretty crazy to me the like even you describing what was in Trevorrow's script like why the convoluted story everyone. Yeah. Like you can't just I don't know. I'm no writing expert but I do read about two to three scripts every single mother effing day. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And there, there are so many like red flags of no, we don't need a, a good chunk of this. Like we don't need like thirty minutes of this. No, I, I still am a little unsure on why they even have the Kajimi stuff in the movie. The what? You all, the the <laughs> Carrie Russell. Speak English the, to me. The Carrie Russell planet. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, why are we going there? Why does C three PO have to have his memory wiped? Mm-hmm. Why do we have a Sith dagger that acts like Willie One Eye Willie's the Bloom? <laughs> And like when Zori gives Poe Dameron that token, mm-hmm. is that how they get on the Star Destroyer? I mean, that's that would be the the language that it's telling you. That's got to be because like I when that happened in the movie, I'm like, wait a minute, this doesn't come into the movie at all later. But it must so it must be like right now, like they used it to get on the Star Destroyer. Hmm. And that you know that I don't know the whole idea that they could just go up there. And nobody would notice is also <laughs> ludicrous. There's just so, or just the whole idea of the emperor building a fleet that's ten thousand times bigger than the first order, mm-hmm. and nobody knows about it. <laughs> yes. I mean, like I say, these are the kinds of things you can excuse in in a fantasy film if the film is working. Uh-huh. 
but this just has way too many things that strain credulity. Well, and that's like that's a huge one. One of the notes about the <laughs> the reveal of when you get to see all of the ships near each other, right? Mm-hmm. Was I was like, so <laughs> we're just following this like two dimensional grid. Like mm-hmm. what the fuck are we doing here? But <laughs> yet they can't they can't uh, figure out how to escape the atmosphere of Exegol without a, a navigational tower. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, just you the, got the thinnest, one tower, yeah. It's such a thin a justification for how that final battle goes. Yeah, it's like, well, all right, so we need. We're like Boyega's giving it his all. We we got to give him something. <laughs> well, it's, let's have he's got to feel like he was done so dirty by this. Movie. Oh, I know. I feel so bad for him because like when he's doing things like in that, in that opening that I was talking about how it wasn't shot properly or edited properly, like Mm -hmm. his, his enthusiasm and his like thirst to win is so Mm -hmm. palpable to where I'm like, God damn, like he is great. (laughs) Like he just needs something to do. Yeah. And that's what's frustrating is it's like you mentioned this earlier again, it's like the casting is great. Like all yeah. these people can do great things, but it's like the material is just not good enough. And I don't I don't get how this fucking dude keeps getting hired to do this shit. Like I get that it's not Chris Terrio's story only, but it's like my god, man, like every one of your stories has the same problem. Like there's too much bullshit that doesn't need to be in these movies. Yeah, I was willing to give him a pass because he's been on these projects that have a high hover factor and, you know, too many cooks in the kitchen, but he gave an interview a few months after Rise of Skywalker. I should have read this before we recorded it, but I I kind of forgot about Chris Terrio. If you look up this interview he gave, I think it was with Hollywood Reporter where he is just like he, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Yeah. <laughs> you can just tell that he is not he lucked into Argo basically mm. to the point where you kind of wonder if Ben Affleck actually wrote Argo. Yeah, or it's like a lot of it's written on the day kind of a thing like yeah, yeah I don't like that line. I'm just going to say whatever the fuck I want. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know. It's but this movie is just so frustrating. It is. It is frustrating. And it's one of the things where I got done with it and I'm like, okay, I, I get it. I get why there, um, why there are things that people can kind of hang their hat on to where like, oh, mm-hmm. well, yeah, but this is good. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I'm like, what a fucking mess. Like, what yeah. an absolute mess. Remind me what happened to, uh, what happened to Brienne of Tarth? <laughs> In the last, she was died in the last Jedi. I'm yeah, assuming. she got uh, Finn like kicked her out the like as the Star Destroyer was crumbling around them. Finn kicked her into space, basically. Okay, because I'm sitting there and I'm like, she must not be in this movie? Question mark because it had been like I said, it had been a while since I saw Last Jedi. Yeah, and so I was like, huh, she's not going to show up, I guess. <laughs> and I was like, well, well, we have this character that is uh, that I can't identify, so I don't know who this is supposed to be. Yeah. So. The, the, you know, you were talking about how you like how um, Ray can defy her parentage, mm-hmm. but I just feel like that shouldn't even be her parentage. And even though I, I kind of thought even when Force Awakens came out, I was like, it's she's gonna end up being a Palpatine. The idea that Palpatine had children is just ridiculous <laughs> to me. First of all, and right. apparently in the in the novelization, you find out it, he didn't really have children. It's like a failed clone that oh. had who's Ray's father. So the idea that she's a granddaughter is not accurate. Whatever. Um, 
Well, wouldn't it have been... I mean, couldn't it have just been a nobody? Like, she finds out that it's like... It's basically like, oh, my name is Ray Johnson or whatever. Well, and that's how it should... I mean, that's the the whole point of The Last Jedi. Yeah. Is that anyone can can be whatever they want to be. Like, Last Jedi, the last shot of Last Jedi does not have any of our characters in it. Mm. It's of a, a, a farm boy, right. a stable oh, right, right, boy... Right on the casino planet and he reaches for a broom and the broom hops into his hand. Like he used the force. And it's it, to me, that ending was like anything is possible. And you can, you know, it, this movie defies that. It, there's so many things about the last year. This movie just defies. Mm. And that ending is certainly one of them because immediately it's like, no, she's a Palpatine. And I do the idea that she, chooses to be a skywalker i like that idea uh-huh. i don't think it's executed well at all uh i mean she could have said i am iron man she could have, I mean, well yeah I, just, I mean <laughs> oh i just boy. don't think i just don't think it's it feels tacked on as opposed to the natural ending for the movie mm-hmm. um and you know, obviously, when you you're watching this movie, and the whole way you're like, "Well, there's no Skywalker's rising," so I think I know how it's going to end. <laughs> right. Which and rise, it's such a terrible title. Rise like, of Skywalker. Yes, it's awful. Rise it's of Star Killer would have been way better. <laughs> Star Killer. Uh, but what about uh, what about Kylo though? It could have been him. That's because... true. It could have been about him. And it, the weird, one of the weirdest things about Kylo Ren. For the the appearance of Han Solo makes no sense in this movie because he's not a force ghost. <laughs> no. He's not a force ghost, so he's just like I don't know a residual memory that's manifesting. That's or right. Something. He's sort of actually. I was like, he's sort of actually here? Question mark. Yeah, and so then we don't. He, Kylo Ren throws his lightsaber in the ocean, which makes no sense from a plot <laughs> standpoint. It only makes sense in that now he will have a blue lightsaber because Ray is bringing two lightsabers to Exegol. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's no reason for him. Like what the lightsaber is like, it's not like the whole series of like this lightsaber is emblematic of my hatred or anything, you know? Mm-hmm. So then he gets to Exegol out of nowhere on a tie fighter. Mm-hmm. So presumably in the wreckage of the pulverized Death Star, which somehow had the Emperor's throne room intact, <laughs> there was also an intact, usable TIE fighter that's been in the ocean for 30 years. Well, he just forced and, it together, you know. Well, and then he pilots the TIE fighter, which we know from the original Star Wars is a light, uh, short, short mm, travel mm-hmm. tr- short uh, range, ship. Short range, yeah. But he takes it like halfway across the goddamn universe and then just lands it on its wings. <laughs> I mean, I know I'm. This is so nitpicky, but like I say, this movie is this movie is inviting you to nitpick it. Well, and yeah, I don't I don't like nitpicking, but this movie is is basically asking for it. <laughs> it's like, I mean, so think about like the equivalent of, say that you get Deathly Hallows Part Two. Mm-hmm. And it starts introducing all this shit and all of these like new rules for magic or yes. like, you know, and Harry finds out he's actually one of the fucking, he's like, you know, related to this person instead of that person. And you get, 
just all of this nonsense bullshit. Or if Marvel did the same thing to where you're like, yeah, in Endgame, now all of these other things are this instead of yeah. that. And you're mm-hmm. like, you, you know, people would be losing their shit. And so I, I think nitpicking is, is different than just plotting out, pointing out plot inconsistencies or like, right. this doesn't make any sense. And I was thinking today, like, you know, am I mad about movies that change the rules? Like, I think the main criticism that people seem to have 10 plus years hence of Inception is how it changes its own rules within the movie. Mm. But I'm like, but that's a self-contained thing. Yeah. And we're learning about it as we go. It's not something with 45 years of established canon. (laughs) Right. You know, and that's part of why Inception works is that you never are quite sure what's going to happen. And the whole movie kind of operates with dream logic, which is fine because it's about dreams. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Because you know, you never, all the rules are changing always is what, is what my like belief is while I'm watching the movie. Exactly. So it's, it's just the idea that they, it does feel like, J.J. Abrams and Chris Terrio were just kind of like, well, what's something you've wanted to see in a Star Wars movie? Okay, we'll put it in. Like anything they could think of that they might have wanted to see in a Star Wars movie, they put in this movie. And like I say, some of it works. Some of it is very exciting to look at, Mm -hmm. but a lot of it is just – it's just too much. Well, I and, kept um, waiting. I kept waiting for Finn to get a, a test that told me how many uh, mitochondrions he had in his blood. Yeah, that would have been something, wouldn't it? <laughs> that, yeah, that the whole idea where he doesn't even get that doesn't even get to pay off. No, no, he's like he's like a force sensitive. Yeah. But uh, great, good, for, uh, good for you, Finn. But uh, there's like a suggestion that the Force is what told him to revolt in Force Awakens mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. take off his helmet, and and you know, which is bullshit that they pulled out of their ass for this movie. I don't know. It just seems like this this could have been a trilogy of breaking away from basically like breaking away from what your parents did to you, and you could have mm. had that be a trilogy from the original three films to these three films, right? Mm -hmm. Like these are your parents' movies. Here's how we're going to break away from our programming, from where we grew up, from what our expectations are. And it feels like that's what last Jedi tried to do in some ways. Mm -hmm. And then it was like, no, 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 no. We got to, we got to go back to what served us and we got to do the, we got to pick something that's ambitious, but also much safer. Yeah. They were so afraid of insulting the horrible people that didn't like Last Jedi, that they made the least gr- the movie with the lowest gross of the trilogy. <laughs> mm. I I don't know. <sighs> and you know, I for a, for a long time, I thought, well, you know, this is just how it goes with Star Wars. In fifteen twenty years, the kids who grew up watching Force Awakens will think that it's great mm-hmm. to think that the sequel trilogy is great just like the kids who grew up watching the prequels <laughs> think the prequels are great but yeah i don't think that's going to happen and it has nothing to do with the movies really themselves lucasfilm hasn't invested in the sequel trilogy at all what i mean is like the prequel the, the people who love the prequel movies I'm guessing that most of them love it because they love clone wars mm. or the games Lucas, Yes, because Lucasfilm invested in the prequels. The, all of their Star Wars content for years was about the prequel era. 
So the movies start to become better in the minds of the people who watched Clone Wars, who played all the video games, da 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 da. Yeah. In in this era of Star Wars, the only thing outside uh, there are like two things outside of the movies that they've done. One is a one season of an animated show that's about Poe Dameron before Force Awakens that was that only lasted a season because apparently not even kids liked it. Hmm. And it's the theme parks. Oh, okay. Where they're already dismantling the continuity. The the theme park, it's just, it's so crazy that they did this. They built these Star Wars lands at at the two Disney theme parks where they are in a fixed point in time. It is set between Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker. Hmm. So that the rides are set in that, in that era and have all those characters. And so presumably if you are staying with the canon of the land and the rides, you can't have appearances from Luke or Ahsoka or whatever. They're breaking it now in Disneyland, not in Florida for some reason, where they, they are introducing like Mandalorian walk around characters and stuff, which is not era appropriate, which Disney doesn't like to do, but they're realizing already that people don't care writ large don't care about the sequel trilogy era. Hmm. So they're not going to invest in this era going forward. They've already canceled like so many movies, like 12 movies at least that have been announced or rumored and are not happening. Right. Well, (laughs) one of the things that I thought, and this is a, this is a strange thing to get hung up on, but I I sit down and I watch a Marvel show and we have the Marvel fanfare Mm -hmm. and we have Marvel with all of the different images inside the words. Mm -hmm. I started watching Mandalorian, which I, I took a little while for me to warm up to, but I, once I finally figured out what they were doing, I was like, Oh, okay, this is good. I like this. Mm -hmm. Um, but I see that and it starts out and it's got C3PO and it's got R2D2 and it's got like, uh iconography like yeah Yeah. iconography that i don't i'm like who the fuck is who's this one who's Mm -hmm. this (laughs) i'm doing that and i'm like that's not ideal for me to sit down and and have like this world of star wars that i'm supposedly being like reminded of hey you like this right and i'm like i don't know who this is bro but sure i guess and it was it was sort of like um it almost felt presumptuous to me to where it's Mm. like wait a minute like yeah, you've you've got the Star Wars saga, like the Skywalker story, but what else have you done? Yeah, because like I was telling, like I said, I I didn't really like Rogue One. I like the idea of what Rogue One was supposed to be. Yes, uh, I haven't seen um, the one that I have a suspicion that I'm going to like the most, which is Andor. Yeah, uh, I have yet to see uh, Solo, which <laughs> which is on my which is on my culling list. Uh, and so is uh, Star Wars: The Clones, The Clone Wars from 2008, the actual movie movie of it. <laughs> <laughs> so that one's an easy pull. Um, so, so yeah, so that's that's kind of where I'm at with it. It'd be like if if you were just giving me, oh, I don't know, like the Tony Stark saga or something, mm-hmm. and it was over nine movies, and it was over like 30 years, I wouldn't expect to see all of this like iconography and, and fanfare about it no matter how big the world was because right. it's like you're only giving me one thing like i get that the skywalker name has a huge impact in the world as we know it but mm-hmm. what about all of these other stories that we're not getting yeah 
and you're only focusing on Palpatine and Skywalkers. Well, and you know, Mandalorian, it's like we're, we're back at Tatooine book of Boba Fett. We're Mm. back at Tatooine. The, the, one of the attractions of Andor is that it, we are not anywhere we've seen before. There you go. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I mean, but on the other hand, Mandalorian season two, which you, I'm guessing you were about to watch. Uh-huh. I would put up with anything else that Star Wars has done. Okay. Uh, I, I wonder if I will still have that opinion when I rewatch it before season three comes up, but as a week to week experience, mm. as a, as a week to week, uh, hit of, of pure, unadulterated, uncut Star Wars. <laughs> It was like it was. It, I mean, it was the same kind of high that I felt watching Force Awakens the first time every week. Oh, okay. What about it, uh, what about Boba Fett? Am I gonna like that or no? Uh, Boba Fett is very strange because they realize that you can tell they realized midway through production of the show that it wasn't working. So for two episodes, it becomes the Mandalorian. <laughs> <laughs> Well, what about uh, Obi Wan? Then I haven't seen that either. Oh, there. Oh, I forgot about Obi Wan. Ooh, memorable. Obi Wan. Obi Wan is is an interesting case because that was supposed to be a movie for years. Right. Yeah. Because it was supposed to be. It, well, both of those were supposed to be movies, right? It was supposed to be. Well, yeah, Boba Fett. Boba was, Fett yeah. and and uh, that was sort of like when they were doing like it was like the Marvel sort of deal to where we're gonna go. We got all these spinoffs that we're gonna do. Right. Obi Wan. The only reason they didn't do it as a movie is because the solo movie tanked, mm. which is a bad reason to not do it. Because what they did instead, they saved money and a lot, and it looked that that's the thing about Obi Wan. A lot of it looks pretty cheap, um, because it's just like a lot of empty, cavernous sets because they're like virtual sets. They don't have any extras, mm-hmm. and the story, the, it would have been a great two-hour movie. But as a six-episode series, it's a great first episode and a great last episode. Ah, and like okay. The last episode of Obi-Wan has stuff that like Star Wars fans have been dreaming of for years. Ooh. And it's great. But you got to get through a lot of crap to get there. All right. Well, I don't, I don't mind doing that because I would rather – I guess I'm more in the, the bag for uh, – filler episodes as opposed to something like this where it just rams so much in there to where i'm like i don't care about any of this now because it's just too much in one two and a half hour sitting yeah like this movie is the one where i feel jj abrams tv roots more than anything else he's ever done oh yeah because it is it's just trying to cram like i said an entire season's worth of story into a two-hour movie it's like he couldn't he couldn't edit it down it does make sense with uh with alias though i mean that was a uh plot twists on plot twists and rambling and (laughs) not really having a whole lot of sense that was ever made (laughs) so i'm like well i guess i just you know it just looks it all looks so good i just love that dan that that jj abrams and dan mendel who's his dp they just have something about the images that they put forth i just i am just so drawn to how how their movies look i just wish i just hope they nail the script someday although yeah. it kind of seems like jj's not doing much of anything anymore maybe maybe he's like i've had enough of this shit <laughs> yeah really maybe he's just uh getting those producer checks 
You know, just being I, I executive got, I producers. Mean, you know, there's rumors of a Superman movie, but I mean, I don't think DC is going to make that happen now that they have new leaders and Henry Cavill back on board. Like they, he was going to do a separate Superman movie, but whatever. Well, yeah, because there was supposed to be that Michael B. Jordan one for a while too, yes, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Who knows? That that's a whole other fucking mess. That yes, whole... it is. There, I mean, it's a, there's a lot of messes right now in the pop culture. <laughs> tapestry yeah well we've got some things like he is doing uh i mean he's announced as producer on several several things and most of them are dc so he's got a lot that he's doing in that respect um he's supposedly there's the uh cloverfield sequel that's supposedly filming currently uh he's he's not directing well he supposedly wrote that though oh okay well I don't know. I just, whatever he does next as a director and a writer, I hope it's something original. It's just, we've enough, enough with the rehashing and the sequels and the, and whatnot. Yeah. Do you know something? Do you know anything about a show called Duster? No, I do not. It is with your guy, Josh Holloway. Finally. Uh, and he trying to make that guy a movie star again. (laughs) Yeah. Or something. And it's got Donald Logue in it as well. Oh, well, the show's doomed then. Um, yeah, really. It says, uh, set in the 1970s Southwest, the life of a gutsy getaway driver for a growing crime syndicate goes from awful to wildly, stupidly, dangerously awful. Ah, uh, see, that sounds like something I might watch. Uh, yeah, and it's, uh, J.J. Abrams is doing, is directing one of those currently, supposedly. There you go. So there you go, get him back to, uh, to TV. That might be good for him. It might be good for him. All right. Well, uh, before we wrap this one up, the uh, the the question is, Mr. Stanglin, now that we've discussed the film, mm-hmm. I want you to tell me, should I keep it or should I delete it? I think you should delete it. I should because delete I don't, it. I don't think there's any reason to revisit this movie other than some isolated parts on YouTube that look cool. <laughs> but, but as a cohesive experience, I mean... Even if you were doing a full franchise rewatch, just, you know, uh, you can just watch it on Disney Plus then. You don't need to keep it around right, if so you that, feel like doing that. Right. So that is my consternation <laughs> is that I'm looking on Plex and I have back to back my Star Trek and Star Wars complete uh, series. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, well, if I'm going to get rid of one, I just get rid of the last one. Yeah, and then I gotta that's keep, true. And I got to keep all these uh, prequels that I'll never watch unless I'm paid mm, to do. Yeah, good point. And so I think that on the merits of the film, I would say delete it is the way to go. Right. Especially with, I mean, we do have Disney Plus, so especially with the Disney Plus option, mm-hmm. uh, I think for my OCD, I'm going to let it sit. Now let me ask you this: On your Plex, do you have like the bonus features? With okay, the file? so so on my Plex, I believe that when I got this, I have well, I have like the featurette, uh, legacy and friendship, and Donald Gleason on the story. So mm-hmm. I have I I do have some things on here. We have the new Chewy on his character. There is one, I don't know what the name of it is, but there is one that's at least an hour long or around an hour long, the, a documentary that is more entertaining than the movie. Oh, for okay. sure. It is very, that they do, they have, they did the documentaries very well. Because the stuff on Force Awakens is good. The one with Last Jedi is really good. 
because you can see the horror in Mark Hamill's face when he is first told what's going to happen to him in this movie. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) You can tell Mark Hamill is not really pleased with what happens in the movie, but I think, I guess he comes around to it, I guess. Okay, so this must have been so all of my movies. The way that Plex works is is uh, this must have been a red box get ah uh, because I have the the core file, but I don't have any behind the scenes stuff. So this all these behind the scenes things these are pulled from Plex itself. Ah, okay. So they have behind the scenes, but I'm assuming that these are all just the shorter versions. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they so they do have it looks just like an. It uh, looks like a pretty traditional EP, EPK, or yeah. just a lot of talking heads. Um, but no, I'd be interested in seeing the the actual behind the scenes. That's not the John Williams uh, masturbatory thing. Um, no, to prove that we love we love you, John, sort of thing. No, there is the 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 most interesting filming thing in the longer documentary is how they filmed the quicksand scene. Oh, that's okay. a really it's a real very interesting practical set. I didn't talk about John Williams at all. Yeah. What did you think of the score in this? Well, the score, the most interesting part of the score is not really in the movie. On the soundtrack album, there's a track called Anthem of Evil that is apparently, you know, the the new Sith theme. Mm. Oh, okay. And it's very different from anything else we've heard in Star Wars. It's choral, but not in that strong, loud, duel of the fate sense. It's more, it's quieter Mm. and creepier but you don't really i think you hear like maybe five seconds of it in the movie uh it's a heavily you can watch in the movie the score is heavily edited you can hear some bad hard edits here and there um well that feels like the way that the entire movie is to me to where it's like well yes and (laughs) and and even you know it the way that kylo ren kind of flips a switch in this movie the theme for Kylo Ren just kind of turns on a dime. Instead of writing a heroic theme for Kylo Ren, it's the same theme, but played in a different, uh, in a different key to sound more hopeful and heroic instead of evil. Hmm. And that makes sense. It it seems it, it might sound like kind of a cheap, easy thing to do, but it does make sense thematically to do that. But it also does, you know, all you have to do is just do one little thing and up, he's a good guy now, you know. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he's John Williams is doing all the work in the last 20 minutes of this movie to put it to put it over. Like I I was, you know, crying buckets in the movie theater the first time I saw it. It's like, yeah, it's because of John Williams. It's not. And because, as my sister puts it, I got to spend more time with my space friends. Mm, but it yeah. is more like it's more of a feeling of like unfulfilled promise with them, with the three of them at the end of this movie more than anything else. Yeah. Or just thinking about how much you love them in Force Awakens and how you wish they could recapture that. And they never really did in the other two movies. Which is odd that it's the, you know, basically the same same man in charge. Yep. It was unable. I mean, that that goes to the whole uh thing i hear sometimes in in filmmaking podcast interviews where it's like every movie is a miracle in some way (laughs) yeah absolutely (laughs) so not easy sledding um real quick before we we go have you what do you think of uh alan silvestri as a composer that's an interesting unexpected question well i ask you this because as i was cooking dinner last night i was listening to an interview with him 
and he was talking about this is from like a couple years ago and he was talking about back to the future the musical mm-hmm. and so he was talking about him working with the two bobs uh zemeckis and gale mm-hmm. and he was talking about just his different work on either forrest gump or back to the future or the avengers stuff and and i just feel like i think of maybe for me i think of like three or four composers uh, and he's not a name that I think of, but then I think of the different stuff that he's done, and I'm like, oh shit, no, I like that a lot. Oh no, I like this one too. <laughs> yeah, he's he is not um, the most consistent mm-hmm, composer, mm-hmm. but when he when he has a good one, it's a really good one. Mm. I recently saw a video. There's a video game composer named Austin Wintery who um, does a series of videos on YouTube where. He he talks with Troy Baker, who's like one of the big wigs of uh, video game voice acting. Okay. And they talk about movie music, because um, they're both big film music nerds. And his Alan Silvestri episode, he pointed out that all of Alan Silvestri's most most famous themes are all basically the same in in how they're constructed. Mm. The Back to the Future and Avengers have like the same note intervals, yeah, the da, same, da, da, yeah, like the same syncopation and everything. Mm-hmm. And um, so he knows what works, that's for sure. Yeah, they asked him about. They asked him in this. Uh, I'll send you the link to this interview in case you want to listen to it. But it, I, he, they asked him about that, about his uh, his voice, basically. Mm-hmm. And he says that yeah, you know, it's it's not an intentional thing. He's like, but. Uh, I, I think about like my voice or John Williams's voice and it's just sort of like, that's what comes out of us. And we know, Oh, we need a heroic moment. So ooh, it's gotta be brassy and it's gotta be this. And it's gotta be, uh-huh. you know, this sort of pace. And he's like, that's just kind of what comes out. So he's like, so oftentimes it, when I'm starting, he's like, it's not an intentional thing, but he's like, yeah, but yeah it, it's similar. And it doesn't feel like he's, ripping himself it doesn't feel like james horner where james horner obviously <laughs> had like four or five things that he leaned on in every score mm-hmm. like there there's that little horn motif that is in every james horner score Da-da-da-da. it's in every <laughs> single one well maybe it's because of, it's only star wars or star trek but it, it jerry goldsmith sounds the same and all the star trek stuff to me mm. yeah so I don't know, and I feel like John Williams does not usually all sound the same to me, but I also know all of his work. I guess people, and there is to some extent, you feel like they're the same just because they're all the movies that you watched when you were a kid. Yeah, but like, I because, think yeah is, just because you can identify him doesn't mean that they're all the same. <laughs> right, I think he's about as diverse and interesting a composer as he could possibly be, and he's also the best and most popular. So, I mean, God. Yeah. Just, just, just. <laughs> I had just wrap that guy in bubble wrap and keep him alive forever. <laughs> put him up on put him up on that Palpatine rig. Let's just yeah, keep really. him around, you know? Yeah, really. We he can't won- do any fucking better. Yeah. He <laughs> wants someone to inherit his uh his skill, but he's gonna change his mind. Yeah, like, you know, ju- <laughs> exactly. Like I thought Jacino was the guy, but I get I get less and less infatuated with Jacino as the years go on. A little wobbly as he's going on? Yeah, I just feel like it's there's i don't know i just feel like he's getting less interesting but i think his heart maybe is more in shifting to directing now because he did that thing for marvel oh yeah the, and uh, everybody loves it i haven't the watched Werewolf it yet by but night. It, yeah but everybody loves it so i should check that out you know what it reminded me of and this is a uh, very niche 
reference, but it reminded me of a uh, Star Trek Voyager episode. Oh, really? A Bride of Chaotica? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I, to be fair, haven't seen the film, but uh-huh. I know of it, and I've seen the trailer several times, and it just seems like, oh, no, they just said, hey, come on to the SETI set, and we'll just ham it up. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what it, that's my impression. Although I've heard from several people that it's actually better than I think it's going to be. So yeah, I I have only seen rapturously positive things about it. I will say one more thing while we're talking about music. I know we're getting on a million tangents here, and we're approaching the two hour mark. <laughs> nothing new, uh, Sean. Nothing new. The the composer that I am very excited about right now is Sarah Shackner. Okay. Who um. Her big her big Hollywood coming out party was this year because she did Pray for Hulu. Oh yeah, okay, I saw that. And it is the music is fantastic in that. And mm-hmm. she got hired by Dan Trachtenberg because he was playing Assassin's Creed Valhalla. He's like, "What is this music? I need this in my movie. I need oh. this sound in my movie." She is one of the three composers for Valhalla, and she is a mostly a video game composer. She's done several Call of Duties. She's done several Assassin's Creed. She did Anthem, which was a famous flop a few years ago for EA, but mm. the music was great. So I think she is the one who's about to blow up. Interesting. So I'm interested to see who's going to get her first, if it's going to be Star Wars or Marvel, but she's or, or you know, which franchise is going to be like, okay, you. <laughs> it's going to be the new Pirates. Is gonna do it. Oh baby, let's do it. <laughs> hey, that might be right up her alley. Her thing is like she like finds these ancient instruments oh. and like try, and makes these sound and then like, blends it with like electronics. Oh man, it's a it's a really good uh, effective different sound. That right. that might work for pirates. There we go. Let's so, do it. So I'll get a hold of her. Uh, <laughs> All right. We'll go and we'll pitch pirates. Uh, Sean, like I told you on Twitter, you can be the creative consultant. Okay, sounds good. Uh, I'll pay you a hefty sum, don't worry. And then we'll just uh, we'll go there. We still got uh, we still got my man. Um, what the fuck is oh Kurt Russell? That's who I wanted to be. Uh, that's who I wanted to headline the Pirates movie. That would be amazing. Yeah. So there we go. I know that they're listening, so they can call me. I'm easy to find. That's right. Yeah. So you're telling me that the the lady from the Prey movie, where it was a girl beating up the Predator, uh-huh. is going to be the new hotness, huh? I, the composer, I think she's a, she's about to blow up. Yeah, I think okay. so. That movie is fantastic. The movie is very good. <laughs> the, and like, the fact I, that it was getting blowback for it being a, a young woman. And I'm like, did I you know. watch the movie, guy? Like, God. And like, I watched it, I'm like, that's really good. And I watched it again with my wife, I'm like, that's really good. I'm like, but you know, it's... It's not good. It's not like one of the best movies of the year, but I keep thinking about it. Mm-hmm. I think about it all the time. Yeah, it's like, well, it's, it's clever. It's just, it's just, you know, it's just a very good, simple story, well told. Yeah, and what's <laughs> nice about it too is it's like you get to, you watch and you watch her figure things out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just by like observing and, and trial and error and it foreshadows all the action scenes really well and all the capabilities of her. And then I watch something to where it's like this or some of the Marvel stuff that I haven't been enjoying or God forbid any of the DC stuff that I don't care for. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what a fucking mess. Yeah. Like tell a cohesive story, you guys. Hey, maybe Dan Trachtenberg should make a Star Wars movie. Mm. 
but then he'll just join, you know, the 40 other people who have been hired to make Star Wars movies and then didn't make one in the last yeah, five years. Yeah, what was the deal? So Colin Trevorrow didn't get it because what didn't do well? Well, well, it, the timing of him being of the announcement of him leaving was around when Book of Henry came out, which oh, was right. like, <laughs> right. but I, I don't I don't think that really had anything to do with it. I think it was that he didn't want to do certain things with Kylo Ren's character that Kathy Kathleen Kennedy said they had to do, mm-hmm. which, you no, know, I him, think, like I said, I think is disastrous what happens in the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, just an insane decision to have them kiss at the end of that movie. <laughs> I really think it's just insane. That is just an insane decision, but whatever. It made it made a certain a certain arm of the Star Wars audience very happy, but not happy enough. Yeah, apparently. it's funny because it's almost like I hear less about this movie because everyone was kind of like, yeah, I don't know, that didn't really work as much. Yeah, because I hear more about uh, Last Jedi because. Some people are still all bent out of shape about it. Yeah, and and I still I still don't know what I think about Last Jedi, but I know that I I know that its intentions are very good, mm-hmm. but I still don't know if I actually like the movie. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it, it's one of those where it it's swinging for something different, and maybe it didn't all the way work, but you can mm-hmm. see that like, okay, well, I don't know what the fuck this casino plan is all about, but it's it's not the same shit we always see, I guess. Yeah. And I'll watch anything Ryan Johnson makes. So. There you go, yeah. Yep. Well, you got the sequel to Knives Out coming soon. Hell yeah. Yeah. All right, well, anything else, Sean, about the rise of Skywalker? Oh, uh, let's, let's, let's put this one out of its misery. <laughs> 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 Wonderful. Wonderful. So Sean and I are both going to go with keep it due to the OCD of <laughs> yeah, Mr. I think Williams. that's correct. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, if you have any comments for the show, you can email us at plainlabelpodcast at gmail.com. If you wanted to help out the show, you could check out our show notes where you'll find the link to our Amazon wish list. Also there at those show notes, I will be having an uploaded PDF of the movies that I have yet to see. And if you wanted to check that out or mock me or push me into what I should be watching next, or maybe even with who, you could do that over there. I do want to thank Mr. Stanglin for coming on. If people wanted to hear more from you or get in touch with you, where could they do that? If when you hear this, uh, Twitter is still in existence. I am at <laughs> Sean Stanglin DH on there uh, talking about movies late at night and also sports as I paginate the sports section for the daily herald please uh support your local newspaper mm-hmm. uh, it's a it's a big source of news be. these days now if twitter's going down that's right <laughs> where else are you gonna get your news oh i don't know maybe the fucking newspaper yeah support your local <laughs> newspaper folks doesn't absolutely. have to be mine <laughs> absolutely well thank you for listening and you can join me next week with another guest and another film